dealing with grief and still have to juggle my business life. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So my guys gave me the time, you know what I mean? Like 24, 48 hours, right? I could have taken more, but I didn't, right? How is someone supposed to like all of a sudden, like yesterday what happened, Michael, is I was working and about four in the afternoon, I literally felt like I had no energy. Mm-hmm. Like there was, and I just checked out. I went and laid down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so how do, how does somebody then who's dealing with grief, surprise grief, but grief, also now not feel guilty about, hey, I'm not showing up for my team. Welcome to Laugh, Len, and Eat, Beyond the Numbers. With our hosts, Fabi Nogmi and Michael David Chapman. In our first episode, Fabi and Michael will be discussing grief and how busy professionals acknowledge it or not. But we all must learn to process it. Surprisingly, grief is not always about the loss of a loved one, we find out when it comes to the business world. It comes to us from many different places. We hope you find these conversations helpful and would love your feedback. Visit us at www.laughlandandeat.com. All right, everybody, welcome back to a brand new rendition of Laugh, Land, and Eat that we're doing. Uh, I think rendition may be a good word. New uh, channel, new uh, episodes, new, uh, I don't know, something new. But here's the thing uh, this series is called Laugh, Land, and Eat Beyond the Numbers. And I have brought on board a really good friend of mine, Michael David Chapman. Um, Michael, how are you? Good. How are you? I know you've been on the show, and I, I always get confused. And I'm sorry. I'm going to say this before our show starts. Like I know you do a bunch of different projects. Mm-hmm. I know you as my coach. Yeah. Right. But you're also doing this lead in. Mm-hmm. Right. And you're also doing some other stuff. But I don't know how which company to represent. <laughs> lead in is the core thing. The coaching thing I don't talk much about. It's more about, um, that's all word of mouth. I never market it. It's uh, sometimes on the, on the heels of a, a piece of content I put out. Um, it's a very small part of what I do, but I love doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So lead in is, is Michael's passion. That's his company. And, um, so what Michael and I are going to be talking about, just so everybody that uh, is kind of dialing in, this is not going to be the traditional Laugh, Lend, and Eat podcast that we normally do. Uh, this is a different spinoff called Beyond the Numbers. And so with Beyond the Numbers, Michael and I are going to be tackling topics that are kind of dear and near to our heart. Uh, we hope that you'll find them, you know, hopefully beneficial in your life. Um, some of us have been stuck with different things. And the reason I brought Michael on board was because I know he is one of those guys that's not a mortgage guy, but he helps people get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And that's what Beyond the Numbers is all about. You know what I mean? Is, is, is finding those things that we can uncover that might be a broken you know, record or whatever and, and find out that one little thing that gets us unstuck to move forward in our lives and become more successful, obviously, and happy and successful is a great combination, Michael. Would you agree with that? I agree. And this is actually going to air in January, but it's probably something we should have had air going into December for the holidays, not just in retrospect. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, maybe if I have time, I'll try to release it next week. We'll I don't see. know. We'll see. We'll see. We'll I, see. I normally a little, pre- put a little pressure on you there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a... Uh, your, your holiday thing is pretty... Whoever you are, your holiday thing is pretty much set for most Yeah. People. I mean, right now, I don't... 
you know, uh, so just FYI, I lost my father earlier this week. Sorry. Uh, yeah. And um, so I was doing something yesterday and they had me, they wanted me to put on a Santa cap for this show. And I was like, look, I'll come to the show, but I'm not going to put on a Santa cap. I'm just not in that mood. Uh, and everyone understood. So it's, it's, it's definitely where, where those things were, you know. You're talking about for the trivia thing? You know, Michael, let me, let me, let me throw this out at you. Yeah. I did not realize that grief for a 92-year-old father was going to be this traumatic, mm-hmm. right? And I felt silly for having grief. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about that, brother? I mean, it, it, the minute you said that, and of course, we, we don't have we don't have any script here. We're just no. going to ask questions. And talk. I, just threw it, I just threw it out there. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure someone can define it better than me, but, you know, I just believe God put us here for relationship. And so I'll compare, I'll compare what you just said to that of a very strong marriage. When you break up a relationship of any kind, but specifically a marriage, a good one, even a bad one, mm-hmm. father and son, like my dad died a little over a year ago. I had no relationship with him. He was a drunk. Yeah. doesn't matter the relationship. Because we were built for relationship, person A, person B, it's like two glued together two by fours. When you rip apart a two by four that's glued together, what happens? It splinters. And so what you're feeling, I don't want to speak for you, but naturally what we're feeling is depending on the closeness of that relationship, uh, the connectivity there, it doesn't, the intimacy, it could be outer circle, inner circle. It doesn't really matter because we were created for relationships. Some of those splinters are, at least for me is I'll give you one of the splinters I have in my life. I didn't have a relationship with that guy. But if I watch a documentary where Tiger Woods is talking about how much his dad invested in him, man, mm-hmm. I just sort of look the other way so the kids don't see me and I'll just, it'll just, you know, yeah. not, not be Tiger Woods, but to listen to him talk about how invested his dad was, I didn't have that. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, my dad was something that I, I mean, I didn't realize I'm 55 years old. I, I got to spend 55 years with this, I mean, That's amazing right. human being that I realized this week that he was more than a father. You know, he was actually like a mentor, um, someone I could, I could have philosophical conversations with. He was an author. So when I released my book last year, it was kind of a tribute to him. And he was glad that one of his children actually wrote a book and published it. He was a person. Let's start. There's a person, you know, when you're growing up, your dad is a person. Yeah. Great point. He's a, he's a machine. He's in my case, he's distant. Did yeah. you see your dad? Did you honestly, can you, did you look back, look back, did you see your, your, your dad as a person when you were those ages that you hate your parents? Did you ever hate your parent? Yeah. Parents? Yeah. 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 During my rebellion, not he, no, not the person, the guy who was telling me what to do. <laughs> so let's start. There's a person. Then you get, well, go ahead. So he has all these other things. Yeah. But there was always, and it is interesting, you know, because you uncover all these things when you actually like rip up the bandit and there's splinters everywhere, right? So yeah, I love that because there's splinters on the floor that I'm like, okay, what does this mean? And what does this mean? And so every relationship is a glued together two by four. And so as you pull it apart, you know, let's take a, let's take a close relationship. Let's take a distant, it doesn't matter, distant, it doesn't matter. Those splinters are our internal, I don't know, there's probably a better description, our internal emotional nerve endings that are tied to expectations, memories, what we wanted it to be, what it was, what it will be 
Yeah. But it never was. It doesn't matter what it is. There's could be you might have, dude, you might have like 6,500 of those nerves. You might have 65. Wow. That's why, that's why there's no speed in grieving. You can delay grieving by doing stupid things or doing things intent. You know, we've talked about that. Yeah. There's no speed because the way you're going to grieve is going to be different than the way I'm going to grieve, especially given the nature of our, look at your father compared to mine. So that I think is the best descriptor. You don't know how many emotional nerve endings you have tied to that relationship. But don't you think it's odd that at least I thought it was odd, right? It caught me off guard. I'll say that. Let's, let's, let's put the word odd out. I will use the word. It caught me off guard, right? Mm -hmm. That I was grieving for a 92 year old person. Because, you know, if somebody else is 92, right? And let's say, it's your, God forbid, it's your uncle or someone that you know, right? And you say, hey, Fab, this guy passed away. He was, and I'll say something like, you know, something real cliche like, well, at least he lived a long life. 92 is a great life, right? I mean, every, we, we all know that in our head, like intellectually, we know that, right? But I found myself asking God, why'd you take him this year? Couldn't you give him another year? So I'm doing it. I have two things to say. This has been a bit of a rabbit hole, but you know, I'm doing that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Might have to say, change the name to Michael's rabbit. I, hole. I just did a, I just did a, <laughs> a, a virtual talk with about 200 plus students in, in, a, in a Catholic school in Lebanon. Okay. Nice. So I'm cutting out this one piece. One of the questions that I was asked was what's your biggest challenge in life that you've had to get mm -hmm. over. And so I talked about the marriages and, loss of a child and losing jobs. And you would think it's one of those, but no, it wasn't that it was unbending my ego. Right. And what does that mean? Like when we talk about ego, it's always got a negative connotation, but it's not yeah. an ego is your sense of self-worth. Yeah. Your ego is not the problem. It's your unbent ego. So when you take that knowledge, if you believe that into relationships and what you said, why not next year, God, we have this idea that everything we have, we're entitled to. I mean, the clean air we breathe. The yeah. air we're breathing right now, we're entitled to that. Says who? So yeah. we go to the basics of that compared to a relationship where I thought I was going to see, he wasn't going to leave us till he was 94. Yeah, and I always pick 96 as a year. I don't know why. I always had 96 in my head. I swear to you, Michael, I had 96. At the nucleus, at the emotional core, that is always this challenge to unbend mm. our ego. Wow. That sense of self-value and worth that says this shouldn't have happened. And that's normal. Yeah. That's it's interesting. Thing. You know, with ego, because I, I've been working on, on this ego for the last couple of years to try to understand my ego. And you're right. It, we all have it. We all need it. We can't be egoless. I mean, You wouldn't be married. Yeah, it just doesn't work. I mean, I don't <laughs> care. You can sit on a mountaintop for 80 years and you're still going to have an ego, right? But the ego is either in the future or in the backwards. It's never in the present is what I really begin to understand. Okay. And then when I really got this week, I said, hold on. There's something going on here, Father, because what really hurts is the memories of my father. It's not the fact that he's no longer here. It's the memories I have of him that are causing the pain, which is then attached to my ego. Because if I believe ego is in the past, then that's causing my memories to resurface. Are they good and memories? Great memories. He was like a and good dude. It was a great dude. I wish you had met him. You'd have good husband, good father, the whole nine. Raised six children as a. As, as, I mean, seriously. That's great. I mean, just he would move mountains for his kids. We there was an interview that I did of him last year that I'll be publishing later on about his migration from Pakistan to America. And he told the U.S. Embassy, 
I can't live without my six kids. So either you hire me and my six kids or you don't hire me and I'll stay here. Right. How many people would actually do that to leave? I mean, to have a condition on the U.S. government. That's a short list. There, were pro- there was probably a lot of risk, evaluated risk nonetheless, but a lot of risk to say and do something like that. Yeah. But he just said, I couldn't live without my six children. There would be no way. And so that's that's who we're talking about, just to let you understand. So that, that surprise thing, by contrast, I had none of that. And let me tell you how I got surprised. So my dad went into like severe dementia after decades of alcoholism. Mm-hmm. Long story short, he was in a home down in West Florida. And so the call started to come in like late summer of last year into October. He's going. Mm. So in November, I think it was, I had a flight book for the next week to go down and do the goodbyes. And I'd already made peace with this guy. And he passed two days before the flight. Mm. Now, I'm just trying to give this for your audience. By contrast, totally different experience with a father, but still caught off guard nonetheless. Even though I'm at peace with the peace that wasn't there, God showed me that way. I was still caught off guard like, man, everybody was there but me. And I'm the one that would probably have the most peace with him. Wow. So it's it's interesting how, yeah, you're you're that's 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 that nerve ending. That's that splinter, like, hey, I'm gonna go down there and I'm gonna turn on. One of the first songs my dad ever played, because he played a 12-string Martin. Okay. Okay. First song I ever heard him play was on the back porch of our house, Seven Acres in Buford, Georgia. He played Hotel California. Oh, wow. On a 12-string. He could sing. Wow. He, could, he was t- very talented. Okay. I was going to go down there and like play it on my iPhone or whatever and you know get my brother, because my brother has the guitar. Didn't happen. Wow. So wow. I can relate with those surprises with you. Yeah, so now let's take a pivot on that for a second because here we have a an a, you know a mortgage expert. I call myself an expert, sorry, but mortgage, whatever executive, whatever you want to call me, I don't know, dealing with grief, and still have to juggle my business life. Yeah, right. Yeah. So my guys gave me the time. You know what I mean? Like twenty four, forty eight hours. Right. I could have taken more, but I didn't. Right. How is someone supposed to like all of a sudden, like yesterday what happened, Michael, is I was working and about four in the afternoon, I literally felt like I had no energy. Mm-hmm. Like there was, and I just checked out, I went and laid down. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so how do, how does somebody then who's dealing with grief, surprise grief, but grief, also now not feel guilty about, hey, I'm not showing up for my team? Well, that's a lie. It's the first to expose the deception because that's probably, you know, again, I'm not a, a psychologist because this can tell you mm-hmm. my experience. That deception, that movie you created in your head, you need to be the hero, leaders don't stand around, John Wayne, all that. That's typically a deception based on a part of our ego that's bent. Uh, however, rather than call it out, let me call in an idea. Okay. We always we're in a culture we're in a call out culture. We don't have much of a <laughs> yeah, call. Are we? Let me call you. <laughs> let me call you into an idea. Um, and I'll put you on the spot. What kind of proactive things are you doing on the grieving side? Because if you're doing those things, and what are those things other than the obvious? Eating right, getting enough sleep, trying to get enough sleep, mm-hmm. exercising, whatever. One of the things that will, um, and I'll, I'll tie in two things: the loss of energy. And emotional ambushes. You know what an emotional ambush is? You're like, 
you're cruising, everything's cool, and all of a sudden that song, somebody says something, oh, something yeah. triggers it, and it's like a bush, it's like boom, it's a bushfire behind you. You get it. Yeah. Um, you you probably are not gonna do much to eliminate those. The goal is to eliminate the frequency and the sharpness. Mm. Got so it. I started to ask you a question. I'll let you answer. What do you What do you think you can do, or what are you doing to proactively go after? I mean, that? look. I mean, I'm I'm being honest about my feelings. I'm not holding them in. I think that's yeah. that's the healthiest thing I can do right there. Yeah. Um, I've I've been doing my meditation around grieving, so I've kind of focused on on that. You know, heart healing meditations. Yeah. Told you before the show started that I was doing this thing I did this morning with this. It's called grief yoga to kind of let out more of the emotions that are, you know what I mean? Because the instructor was saying, you know, emotions in motion can free themselves a lot. You know what I mean? So it's not one particular thing that I'm doing that's going to fix me, but I always think it's a layered attack. And I, the number one thing that I, how do I say this? Number one thing I know that I need is going to be, it's going to take time. It's not going to be an overnight fix. So just because I'm feeling good today, I was told, don't think this is the linear track that you're going to be on. You're going to have good days. You're going to have bad days. You're going to have awful days. You're going to have all that stuff. Well, from wounding to healing, whatever that looks like, it will look linear once you graph it. But as you're going through it, it's usually a zigzag. Yeah, exactly. The one thing I, the one thing I just want to – I'll tell you. I'm going to tell you and everyone one thing I think that's missing. But before I do, I want to just touch on this grieving. Um, when I was going through it, it was a therapist, two coaches. And I always forget to uh, – talk about Kevin. I had a grievance counselor, okay. a, grievance, a, a lay person at a church who his sole job was not like we talked for an hour a week and it was all me. Wow. Crying, pissing, moaning, hating God, hating the world. God knows what I said to this guy. <laughs> he was there for about 17 months. He just was called a Stevens minister in evangelical churches. It's a, it's a ministry. Mm. And so he was trained to just come alongside me and grieve with me. The one thing, so this is the one thing that, that you didn't mention that I didn't do that. I talk to people about now, and that is how do you quantify it? Okay. How do you quantify progress in that space? Wow. And so if you're doing all the right things, which it sounds like you are, maybe you could do it a little bit different here, a little bit grievance yoga. And maybe you need a, maybe you need a, a grievance counselor, someone to come along, someone to specifically, all you do is talk about the sadness and grieve it, talk about it, talk about it, talk about it. Um, when you have the ambushes, you need to quantify when they happen and the sharpness. Because so, what you're trying to do is elim not eliminate, minimize or understand and minimize or have less of the frequency and the sharpness. Yeah. I think when so you every time an ambush happens is to document when it happens and have a scale one to five. Yeah. Five being the worst one being like, Hey, that sucks. But I, I, my bounce back and you could have your one through five could be how fast, how, how much it takes out of you. So if a five is a thought of her, a thought of him and it knocked me out for five hours, that's a five. Wow. Or I thought of her and I, I bounced back in 10 minutes, but it happened Monday to Thursday documenting when it happens is the one thing that people don't think of. Yeah. Cause I don't let you see progress in linear terms. Go ahead. When you were talking and you talk, especially when you use the word emotional ambush, the first thing I thought of was like, I got to document what triggers them. What is it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's for me, what I was really, when, when you, when you first brought that up, I, I, I said, hold on, there's gotta be something triggering because I'm always the guy that's big on beyond the numbers and uncovering, right? Because I really believe like whatever's going on, 
like I was giving this thing. Okay, so it's interesting. Uh, my dad passed away Sunday, and then today is Friday, and so yesterday, I guess Thursday, I was giving this core values lecture. And one of the things I talked about was how when I was seven years old, my dad caught me stealing and it broke his heart. Stealing little candy from a grocery store. You know what I mean? That were lying around, but you had to pay for them, put in a bag and weigh them and then pay them. And I just started eating them. with (laughs) (laughs) Right. But something as harmless as that really petrified him that his son was stealing. And he was really like just sad and, and broken heart about it. But what it did was it built this core value in me to be honest at all times, no matter what the cost is. Because, yeah. and years ago, I had drilled down to find out that one moment where that belief was instilled in me, and that's how it happened. And so when I was telling that, all of a sudden I get flooded with emotions. Of course. But now I'm on a Zoom call with students, and I can't let my emotions out. Right? But seeing my dad on the porch, and then going through all that, cycling, yeah, it was like, okay, you know, this is it. This is the, these are the triggers. So really, it, I think for me, emotional ambushes are going to be about triggers and then documenting those triggers. Documenting the triggers and then when they happen. Yeah. And then the frequent, when they happen, frequency, and have a scale. And the scale can be the outcome, right? I remember when I was going through the breakup, Okay. And again, I said this so many times on social, I'll say it again. People look at breakups and say, what's the big deal, dude? It's a divorce. It wasn't the divorce. What was dying in me was the ego. Mm. What was, let me rephrase it now that I've really understood. My ego wasn't dying. My, my ego was unbending. Mm. My ego was crooked like, you know, like <laughs> I was so crooked. So the, what was changing in me, what I was fighting was that, that process of recognizing, look, you know, losses happen to everybody, tough guy. And so what I didn't do, cause I just didn't know any better was understanding the frequency and dullness or the sharpness. And there were times, man, like something would trigger about, I'm, I'm going to be single my whole life. Mm, I'm yeah. never going to have, you know, all of these things, it would knock me out. So yeah. just for everyone listening for the benefit, if you're going to have the self-discipline an emotional bandwidth to do the, like you said, Fabi, like grievance yoga, therapy, journaling, whatever, take the time to also get on your phone, audio, notepad really quick to document the frequency of the ambush, the, 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 where you, you have the meltdown mm-hmm. and the severity. Severity can be measured what it, the outcome. Okay. It knocked me out for an hour and I didn't go to work. That's a huge thing because when you look backward at it, as you're going through it, you have something that says, well, man, I, I'm really, I really am moving. Yeah. I'm healing. I'm moving. I think it's interesting that mortgage, that professionals, not just mortgage professionals, we tend to minimize grief. At least I did. I know I'm guilty of that, right? Where I, I just, I didn't understand the full aspect of grief, the, the full spectrum of, of grief until this past week. Like you minimize, you minimize it on the, on the part of up for, about others. Well, no, even like when I lost an aunt or I lost my grandmother, or I lost a best friend. You know what I mean, like I acknowledged their loss, but I didn't acknowledge the grief, you know, because all those events caused grief, but I never like let it sink into my head because it was always about work, 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 you know, like, Oh my God, I got this to do. I like this, this, like this audibly or visually say, write down or say, 
this person was in my life. They're supposed to be in my life. They're no longer in my life. And that's not right. Hmm. But no one says that. Right. Right. No one says look that. How def- look how, look how honest and maybe childlike that is and almost arrogant it is. Yeah. That last, this shouldn't have happened. Yeah. But or like when, when, when people leave a company, you know, when, when someone who's worked for me for like five, six years, also they say, you know what? There's a better mortgage company than yours, Fab, and I'm going to go there. I'm firing you. I'm firing you. Yeah. Hell. I'm doing it, I'm doing it with a <laughs> great working for you, but I'm, I'm leaving you. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't happen. I mean, come on. I'm awesome. Well, I, come on. Is, it, isn't that a certain amount of grief that a, that, that a professional has to deal with? But we, we don't acknowledge that moment as grief. We say, oh, my God, that, he's an a-hole or he sucks or whatever. You know what I mean? Or, I, think, I think it depends on, you know, I think grief, and maybe there's Webster's has it better. Typically, I see grief as not just a loss, but a recognized loss. So I think the grieving doesn't happen because we don't recognize it as a loss. Is it a loss that he left? I mean, uh, fundamentally it is because you got to replace them. You got to hire, you got to interview, you got to vet, you got to do all this stuff. Um, So that's going to be a cost. It's a loss depending on what side of the ledger you're looking at. Right. Um, I don't think you can grieve unless you recognize a loss. I mean, I can tell you that as an owner of a mortgage company from 2000 to 2010, I was very close to one loan officer. And the day he decided to resign, I was broken up. Mm. I mean, I, I I didn't look at the value, by the way, Michael. I didn't look at the dollar amounts, which were absolutely real because he was a very top producer, right? But this guy was like my confidant. Mm-hmm. He was the one guy in the company that I could always talk with and tell him what was going on and get good feedback. And all of a sudden, he was no longer going to be part of my life in the business world. And so it it, it is... You know, when I look at now, I'm, this past week, I'm looking at grief in all these different areas. You know, the people moving on in our lives and, and, and saying goodbyes forever is one thing. But people leaving to another company or or maybe even getting out of the industry, like, hey, I can't take the up and down of these interest rates anymore. Right. You know, <laughs> I'm going to go sell vacuum cleaners. <laughs> I mean, it's so, yeah, like, so like when I'm doing that, and you and I have done this before, maybe I can show it. But when you're talking about I have stress. I have stress. Usually, if it's recurring stress, it's usually tied to some type of loss. It's tied to some type of, or I'm sorry, it's tied to some false belief that's tied to a loss. Not always, but it usually is. If it's a recurring stress, we go through that. And so if that's the case, to, to explain it deeper, you have to recognize it. What, there's nothing to grieve. It's like, it's like there's, you can't solve a problem you don't know you have. Yeah. So to your question, I don't think you're going to grieve anything you don't recognize. I just think that professionals, maybe I'm just talking about myself. Maybe everyone else is way more farther along in the evolution process than I am. But it feels like most of us just don't acknowledge the grief and then verbalize it even. I mean, verbalize would be amazing. We have to acknowledge it first, right? But I mean, we don't even acknowledge it. Well, when I quit my job in 2017, I worked for that guy for five years, 2017. And it was horrific. I don't look back at that as that five years was a loss. I, that perspective may change because if you looked at it objectively and didn't realize where I was spiritually, if you just looked at it and said, like, you would not, it's like, I'm not living in that environment. What the hell were you thinking, Michael, wow. is what you would say. And then I would say, well, let me tell you what I was going through personally and spiritually. And once you heard that, it wouldn't justify how I was treated, but it would, it would make sense or how the, we all were treated there. 
but it would justify why I stayed and, and, and later have a story to tell on how I would, you know, God fortified that wow. and sustained me through a time where it was just, I didn't see leaving. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't look back that, but, but you'd be like, that was a lot. You lost five years of your life. When I'm like, man, I built a whole following and business and the way I work with men around that loss. So it's all about perspective. But to your point, you're not grieving something. I don't think you recognize it as a loss. Yeah. I, th- I think in conclusion, because we are coming up to the end now, is, is I want to make sure that people do understand one thing. And I think, Michael, you kind of just summed it up real well without even realizing it, is everything has led up to this exact moment. Mm-hmm. All the pain, all the joys, all the misery, all the suffering, all the excitements have led to this point. So there are no losses. So all of our experiences combined together makes Michael who you are today. So that when you are able to mentor men, you can lead in with your own experience. That's right. You know, so it, it's not, it's, so everything, it, it, you know, works out the way it's supposed to, but I do understand that this moment is exactly the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. You know, objectively, if you, if you look at it on a ledger, it's technically a loss and Right. But at the end of that video that I'm going to put out probably tomorrow or Sunday, I say mm-hmm. on the heels of every loss, there's always an opportunity. Yeah. And that sounds like social media, psycho babble, Napoleon Hill stuff that's been around for a thousand years. Yes. Until you go through it and realize that seeing my losses as opportunities is a hell of a lot better than continuing to victimize myself. Yeah. And and so that's a whole that's another that's probably a good way to land. That's a story for another day. Yeah, I'm gonna land on this one though. My instructor said this, yoga instructor said this at the end of the yoga, which was amazing. She says, At the end, we can be grateful that we are grieving our loved one rather than our loved one grieving us. <laughs> okay. And I was like, Oh my god, I would have hated for my father to be grieving me. I would have hated that. And yeah, so, you're, you're he's supposed to go before you. Yeah. So I, I, relative term. Remember, that's, yeah. that's another thought. So, yeah, but I mean, I was like, okay, we just turned that grief into a blessing. And uh, I think you know, the yoga instructor, she's always, always pulling, pushing my brain cells, whatever she does, whatever she does. Good for her. I, I love that about her. Smart. All right, Michael. Look, we wrapped up episode one. We had no topic. In fact, the topic we were going to talk about, we'll talk about next week. What was the topic we're going to talk about? Uh, We'll talk about it next week, though. I don't even know what it is. This is what Beyond the Numbers is about. Hopefully, professionals will tune in. We're going to have lively topics like this to talk about. We hopefully maybe bring in some guests. We take some questions, answers, you know, whatever goes on, guys. Um, I don't want to talk about just numbers because life is too short. Well, we just talked about how to quantify grieving in terms of numbers, frequency yeah. and sharpness. So you can quantify your grievance, your grievance or grievance path, your grieving path, mm-hmm. if you're willing to put a little work in. All right. Well, that sounds like a great place to end, Michael. Until I talk to you again, have a great day, brother. <laughs>